Wow, it is so good to see all of you. Can somebody say amen this morning? Not for necessarily any reason. I just want to make sure you're here. I'm going to need a lot of amens today. Um, Say hi to all of you that are watching online. Lord bless you. We're so thankful that that you are joining us uh, today. We have been in a series uh, which has... uh, we've been using this verse from Heroes of the Faith, and we've been talking about this idea that we're all on a journey, we're all on a race, and Scripture tells us that we are surrounded by great cloud of witnesses. That is people that have gone on before, people that have run the race. They love the Lord. They've served Him faithfully through the years, whether it was in the Old Testament, being faithful to Uh, the Lord uh, Yahweh, or whether it was in the New Testament, those who embraced Christ. And it says that, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Can you all hear that? Aren't you glad you're in here and not outside in the rain? Say amen. (laughs) But we need the rain, so I'm thankful for the rain. Um, the sin that so easily entangles the things that in this world while we're running our race that trip us up. Attitudes, thoughts, people sometimes, um, our objectives, our goals, things that entangles us, holds us back. And it says, so let us run with perseverance the race that is uh, marked out for us. Now, we have looked at various characters. Last week, we looked at Elijah. And today we're going to look at this guy named Elisha. Uh, Not Elijah, that was last week, but Elisha. Elijah was Elisha's mentor. Elijah was the great prophet. He was an amazing prophet. He he was so... he was so impressed by God that God just, God just called him home. Didn't even die, right? God just said, hey, you know what? Why don't you just come on and be with me? Calls Elijah home. And however, I think most of us, rather than Elijah, most of us can probably relate better to Elisha. Because Elisha... Um, didn't start out so great. Uh, his, his, uh, he ends up being great, but he didn't have like a superstar start. In fact, he spent most, Elisha spent most of his time on this question right here. Does my life really matter? Does my, my, my life mean anything? Does my life make a difference. And it is his story that is not a story of greatness. It is actually a story, if you read it, it's a story of boredom. You you don't see a lot of exciting things happening at first. He spent most of his life as a farmer. In fact, he, he was probably a wealthy farmer, some would say. And he spent most of his life in the field behind two oxen. So like 8, 10, 12 hours a day, that's his view. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you need some help, don't you? Here it is, right here. (laughs) This is his perspective every day. 8, 10, 12 hours a day, the backside of oxen. 
And not only was that his perspective, but you know, there's some stuff that comes out of there and it, it kind of, it kind of smells. You know what I'm saying? Come on. It just, it stinks. And here's why I think some of you can relate more to Elisha than Elijah. Because when you look at your life, a lot of times you think to yourself, my life stinks. My family stinks. My job stinks. My marriage stinks. Most of my relationships, it just seems like they stink. And this was his life for many, many years. This was his perspective. And though he was told he would be great, greatness ain't happening. Most of us, if we're honest, and I know it's a, it's a strange thing to be honest in church, right? Most of us, if we're honest, we probably spend more of our day and more of our week, week thinking that our life is like this than not things and dreams that we had, expectations, and it just doesn't seem to measure up, and we think my life just doesn't matter. But now, that's not all for Elisha. Elisha has a better story at the end. Elisha has things that come in, but he would say, he would say to us, when you think your life doesn't matter much, serve God with your very best. When you think your life is not achieving all that you want it to achieve, when you think that your life isn't really measuring up to somebody else's or what you had hoped would come, he would say, serve God with your very best. Like, like press in close to him, especially in those times, and give God your very, very best. In fact, I think Elisha would say, God is watching, come on, watch this, how you handle the mundane things to prepare us for the greater things that he has planned for us. God's looking at how you're handling the things day to day, the mundane things, the things that happen in our lives. He is doing that to prepare us for greater things. Wherever you are, school, work, your marriage, your relationships, your children, that you, you have to give your best even when it seems that you're not seeing a great difference. You have to give it your best because God is watching. And so there's some things that we learn from Elisha. First one is serve God faithfully and he will reward you abundantly. Come on, I'm just giving you a sermon within a sermon here. You serve God faithfully in the mundane things of your life and God will reward you abundantly. Even when you think no one is noticing, you serve God faithfully. And so in our story, it says, so Elijah went and found Elisha and he was plowing in a field. Come on, behind the two oxen, stinks. There were 12 teams of oxen, so that was quite a bit. So he was a pretty wealthy farmer. And it says Elisha was plowing with the 12th, the 12th team. And Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. So he threw his cloak over his shoulder. That's kind of like saying... I want you to come and learn from me. I want you to come work for me. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. That's just kind of the context of back then. 
And then it says, and then Elijah just walks away. And for the next 10 years in Elisha's life, after after have been given this great uh, invitation into greatness, nothing happens. Day after day after day, he's doing the mundane things. It's like Elijah is saying, hey, don't call me, Elisha. I'll call you. Elisha knew he was called. Come on, some of you know you're called. Elisha knew he had a purpose. Many of you know that you have a purpose. Elijah had dreams. Many of you have some dreams, but nothing is happening, and you wonder, why is it taking so long? Come on, let me tell you. Let me tell you this, because God is watching to see how you will handle your life in the times of waiting. Oh, man. How do I? Several years ago, Vicki and I both, I won't give you the whole story, but both of us in a dream, because I think sometimes God speaks to us in a dream, and one night God woke me up, and I felt like God was saying, you are released from ministry and where you are. I have a different plan for your life. We were perfectly happy. The church was at its best days, and it was like God said, you are released. Vicki and I both had the same sense and dream and experience with God within a day or two of each other. And so we were like, okay, God, I'll be waiting for the call this week. You know what I'm saying? And nothing happened. And week after week and month after month, and it was a long time until we got a call. And with a matter of a week, we got a call to about five different places. But it was in the waiting time that was so discouraging. But I think God was wanting to see if I was going to be faithful to him in the waiting time because he is watching to see if you will serve with your very best, even when it seems like no one else watches, no one else cares, no one else sees it. That is huge. Some of you see my life, but you, you see my life here on this stage or you're watching online, but you don't know the young man that I was growing up. Um, a friend of mine sent me a message last Sunday afternoon um, and she was watching online last week. She may be on here today. Um, hey, Linda. Just hope you're watching. Here's what she said to me in this message. First of all, she called me Timmy, so I knew, I knew this wasn't going well. <laughs> she said, I couldn't believe as you were speaking that this was the same ornery, selfish, smart aleck guy I grew up with. <laughs> and my response to her was to watch me online on Sunday proves there is a God and he still does miracles. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. See, I felt called at eight, but I ran from that call for many years. There was, there was a period in my life like Elijah uh, where I had about eight years where it just seemed like I was running. There wasn't much happening. And I remember finally at... Uh, I think I was 17 years of age. I still remember the day, July the 10th, 1977. Some of you do the math, figure out how old I am. Um, 
but I had been running from God. I hated my, myself. There were some things that happened in my life that caused me to hate people and hate myself. I had a speech impediment. I didn't have much hope that God could ever use me. And at 17, I finally knelt at an altar of prayer and I surrendered my life and I wept before God. All my brokenness spilled out and I surrendered my life for God however he wanted to use it. But here's, what, here's the deal. I didn't think it would be much, I'm just being honest with you. I didn't think it would be much of a life. I thought I'd be living a life of poverty, um, you know, in small places. Um, at first I felt, call, I, I just felt my life's calling was to be a youth pastor and that's all, that's all I thought I'd ever do and did it for years and I just poured myself into teens. Years and years, just the mundane day-to-day -day stuff for years and years. And then all of a sudden, God seemed to bless that in unusual ways. And before you know it, we were having 200 to 250 kids every week, teenagers. God just abundantly I was faithful in what God called me to do because Jesus is the one that said, your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you, right? I mean, he who sees what's done in secret Real will reward you. And so whatever you do unnoticed, he says, I will, I will reward you openly. Elisha lived his life in obscurity, being faithful, day in, day out, to oxen, right? And God used him to do 28 miracles twice the amount that Elijah did, who was one of the greatest prophets to ever live. And Elisha did more miracles than any person that has ever lived except for Jesus himself. And Elisha would say to us also, I believe, he would say, serve God faithfully with the little things and he will give you bigger things. You be faithful in the little things that you're doing day in, day out, day in, day out. And the God who sees the Unseen things will reward you openly. Here's what, here's what it says. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build the fire to roast their flesh. So come on, he's saying yes to God. Here, this, is, this is actually what happened, but it's symbolic for a lot of us. When you say yes to God, you're saying no to everything else behind you. And see, one of the reasons some of you can never surrender fully to God with your life is you don't want to give up all the stuff that's behind you. <laughs> oh, not one amen in here. Hey, not one amen, all you online. They didn't say one amen to that. Somebody online say you're with me this morning. All right. He goes from owning a large farm to being a servant. One verse says that uh, he became a servant of Elisha and what he did was he simply poured water over the hands of Elisha. It's like the only time he saw Elisha just come in, hold out his hands, he'd take water and pour it over his hands, clean his hands. That's, that's kind of what he did. And God, and what Elisha would say is God cares about the little details of our lives. The littlest things that we do, the, the ways that we serve, the ways that we give, the littlest thing, he cares about that. And here's the deal. Why would he give you bigger things? Come on, stay with me. Why would he give you bigger things in your life if, if you're not being faithful with the little things? 
That's some good preaching right there. But when you're serving God faithfully with the little things, he'll give you bigger and bigger things and it will amaze you. I was reminded this week that I worked as diligently in my first church pastoring with 22 people my first Sunday. In that church, I worked just as diligently and just as hard as I do today in a church our size. I wasn't like going into the office and going, you know what, there's not much to do, it's just a small church, they're not paying me very much. I'll just give a little bit of my time. No, I just poured myself in every day, get up, get ready, get into the office. I would go into the office and I was it. I was like it. Like if I wanted to have fellowship, I had to do it with myself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd sit at my desk, hey, how you doing today, Tim? I'd go get on the other side going, doing really well, a little lonely. See, when you are faithful in little things, he will give you bigger things. This is so true. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little or very irresponsible with little will also be dishonest with much. Um, and Elisha would tell us that even in the mundane things of life, pour yourself in, give God your very best. Because when you're serving other people, scripture says you're serving him. So like when you're teaching like those little kids back there today, some of you may go back and serve those little kids. It's not those little kids you're serving that are running around doing you know, all kind of craziness. You're serving Jesus. And when you give a cup of cold water to others, you are doing it for Jesus. Serve God faithfully. Serve him, serve him with the little things and he will give you big things. And then I think we all, another thing we learned from Elisha is serve God faithfully in what you can. Come on, come on. Do what you can and he will do what you can't. <laughs> you do what you can, he will do what you can't. Elisha said, I learned that if I would ask God boldly, he would do it. I would ask him and he would do it. Elijah is about to leave this earth and God is going to just bring him home. And Elisha is like, you know, he's, he's, he's following his mentor, Elijah, and Elijah's about to leave. And Elisha has this great blessing. But up to this point, Elisha has not one thing happened to him. He has not done one miracle yet. And when, and the scripture says, when they crossed Elijah said to Elisha, right before he left, okay, tell me what I can do for you before I'm taken away from you. Because Elisha's just like on him all the time, just like following him, wanting to learn from him. He's like, okay, okay, I'm getting ready to leave. Just tell me something I can do for you. And Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your Spirit, Like, I, I want, you did 14 miracles. Here's what Elisha was saying. I want to do 28. You did 14, give me 28. And it says, you have asked a difficult thing. 
And the rest of the story is about God through his incredible power working through Elisha's life and doing all of those things. And it, and it says, uh, well, let me back up here. You have asked a difficult thing. It's tough. It's hard. What do you want God to do for you today? I mean, if you could ask God, like God's saying to you, hey, like Elijah said to Elisha, what, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, what would you say to him this morning? Well, what's something you want God to do for you? Because like, you know, be like, well, you know, Lord bless me. Like our prayers before meals, Lord bless me, bless my family, you know, give us rain. He did, uh, blah, blah, blah. That's about as powerful as our prayers get. But Elisha gets bold and he says, what do you want? He's like, okay, glad you asked. Let me have a double portion. I want twice as much. I want twice as much. Elisha did what he could, but he, he asked. That's all he could do is ask. All of us can ask. Well, what would you ask God for this morning? What do you need? Many, many of you, many of you, uh, may have seen this on a Facebook post. This is my wife's cousin's daughter who a little over a week ago was kidnapped and she was uh, being sold into sex trafficking and, and there were several days that they couldn't find her and um, her folks didn't know what else to do. What do you do? What, what do you do? Come on. Sometimes God will let us get to a place that we don't know what to do so that we will look to the one who does know what to do. And so all they did was just post this picture on Facebook and just ask people to please pray. Just posted it and prayed. And it went, it went viral. I mean, uh, tens of thousands just all over the country. And the likelihood, they say, after the second day of getting a girl back that has been sold into sex trafficking is, is so, so small, almost non-existent. But mom and dad said, would you... Um, pray and would you share and so people did people prayed and shared and it just went out all over on people's Facebook I mean I mean we had probably thousands that just went out on ours of people we didn't even know started sharing it and leads started coming in and they were able to identify certain things and and all of a sudden um, a lead came in and it led them to a rest stop where they found a van load of not just Sophie, but other girls that were being sold into sex trafficking and they were all spared and she and the other girls were found unharmed. Praise be to God. See, when we do what we can, I mean, you're a mom or your dad, something like that. What are you going to do? You can't do anything. You realize how utterly helpless you are. But when you do what you can, God will do what you can't. What do you ask God for? What's the boldest thing you've asked God for lately in your life? Have you stopped believing that he could do a miracle for you? Have you stopped believing that he could do the impossible? Have you given up on a child? Have you given up on a healing? Have you given up on a resource that you need? 
Have you given up on emotional, mental healing? Have you given up on a job? Jesus told us, Jesus told us, I think Jesus was pretty smart. (laughs) Jesus said we should ask. Ask our heavenly Father what we need. I'll tell you what I've been asking in recent days um, during this COVID, I call it my COVID prayer. Was God, help us get back to where we used to be. And and I'm just selfishly talking about our church. Come on, I'm, I'm selfishly talking about what I look at on Sunday morning. Help us at least get, help us get back where we were, Lord. And um, man, God convicted me of my prayer in the last week or two. And he's like, that's not very bold. You think I went through all the, well, you guys have been, I've allowed all this to happen just to get you where you were before? Sure. Come on. You wanna know what my new prayer is? God in the days and months and years ahead, let us double. Amen. Let us double. I'm not praying. Now, if we only got a little bit more than where we were before, well, that, that's bad. That's good, right? But why not pray it? Why not pray? God, double us. Do, do an amazing work. God, help us not just get back to 700, 800, 1,000 people. Give us, give us 2,000 people here worshiping you every week. Just do it, God. You can do that. Why not ask him that? Is anything too hard for God? (laughs) May he use us in this time to be great light in the darkness that our world is experiencing and may light draw people in. Why not pray for big things? Here's a prayer, here's a prayer. Wow, this is a bold one. God give us 200 people in the next year who get saved and come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Is that a good prayer? God, please help Carol and the Pregnancy Crisis Center. Oh, I'm gonna shock her. (laughs) Help them in the next five years to help 5,000 women and save 500 newborn babies from being destroyed. You can do it, God, come on. Woo! Now, wait a minute, my prayer, (laughs) she just passed out in her seat. My prayer is that it wouldn't just be here in Kokomo, but all our influence, I don't know how it would happen. See, I don't know. All I know is that I can ask that our influence would maybe go all over the state in ways that we can't even yet see or imagine to see that. I'm saying my prayer is God expand the influence of that ministry to save precious lives. I mean, why not ask? So if we don't save 500 babies, we only save 200, woo, praise God. But I'm asking, whoever, Jesus, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Really, Jesus, like we can do all the things you did? He said, no, (laughs) you can do even greater things because I'm going to the Father 
And you have a daddy, Abba daddy, that you can ask. And the problem is not that God has stopped working. The problem is we have stopped asking. And may God convict our hearts and that we with everything within us in these days would begin to ask him for bold and powerful things that he would do in our church and in our lives and in our homes. Got your calendar? Let me give you a little calendar thing. Come on, here we go. November 15th, 6 p.m. We're having a night of prayer and worship. <laughs> See, I know some of you. Well, well, Pastor, what kind of worship we gonna have? <laughs> the kind that honors God and brings us into his presence. And we're gonna pray. And we're gonna ask God to do some bold things that night. We're not having it in the chapel because my faith is, is that we would have this place filled with people seeking the heart of God, crying out to him, asking him for things in our lives with boldness, believing that he is able to do beyond what we could even dream or ask. Okay, wow, my time's almost out and that was just the introduction to the message. That's what's bad. Here we go, quickly. Elijah would say to us, I've been telling you every week, what would they say to us if they could talk to us? Elisha would say, seek the presence of God in your life daily. Seek the presence of God in your life daily. Why? Because when you get close to him, listen to me, he will speak to you. In 2 Kings chapter 3 is one of the 28 miracles of Elisha, and the people are running out of water, and they're desperate, and so they're, they're like, man, is there nobody that can talk to God? Is there nobody that can cry out and help us? Is there anybody? And so they're like, well, there's this, pro there's this guy named Elisha. He's a prophet. God seems to listen to him. Um, so they called on Elisha, and Elisha comes in, and they're like, Elisha, we need water. And so here's the first thing Elisha says. Get me a harpist because I need to worship. <laughs> bring, bring, bring me a harpist. Well, we need water, I know. But I've got to have some worship first. And while the harpist was playing, watch this. While worship was going on, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Some of you don't hear God because you never get close to him in his presence. I'm just telling you the truth today. You're so overwhelmed with all the things in life, you just never get really close to him in worship because if you worship him and you come into his presence, here's what I know, he will speak to you. It happened in the uh, New Testament when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. In other words, these are just common folk. What? They were amazed because they're like, these are just like ordinary people. You're nobody. Well, you can be a nobody, but when you come into God's presence, you become a somebody. And it said they were astonished and they took note, watch, that these men had been with Jesus, what got their attention? That they had been in the presence of Jesus and that makes all the difference in the world. Second thing is this, decide every day to do something for God. Your job is not why you exist. 
God has given you a purpose and a plan for your life. And every day, do something for him. Stop sitting on the sidelines. Get in the game. Do something for God. I don't know what to do, Pastor. We'll help you. We will help you find something to do. There are so many needs that are unmet in this place. I'm telling you, every day, you don't even realize that while this service is going on right now, there are some unmet needs in this place that would make this service flow better, but they're unmet because too many people are sitting on the sidelines. And I would just say to you, get on a camera, get in a nursery, get on the soundboard, get into the lighting board, get into children, working with children, become a greeter, get an instrument and play it become a person of prayer, do something. Mm, I'm filtering. Most of you don't, at the risk of being misunderstood, I'll say it anyway, how's that? Most of you don't need another class. You need to serve and bless somebody. Most of us are educated way beyond our ability to obey. Okay, you didn't like that. Let me go on. (laughs) And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Dig some ditches. The problem was there wasn't even a cloud in the sky. There was no apparent hope of rain. Why should we do this when there's not even a possibility of rain in the forecast? Because faith must go from inspiration to participation. Faith is not just believing up here. Faith is living it out in action. You do something. What, 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 did, what did James say? Faith by itself is not, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith alone, dead. It's when we put it in action. I don't see anything happen, but it will. Make some ditches, make some room for it, do something. Maybe the last one. Don't focus on what you see, but focus on what God sees. Don't don't look at your problem just through your eyes. Look at it through God's eyes. For this is what the Lord says to Elisha. You will see neither wind or rain. Listen, you won't even see a sign. You're not gonna be able to look out and go, oh, it's on the way. You, no, no, it'll look barren and dry and it'll look like it can't happen. Yet this valley will be filled with water and you and your cattle and your other animals will drink. And I love this. Watch this. Come on. This is an easy thing for God. What are you facing today? What are you dealing with in your life? What do you got to ask? What's like the boldest thing you could ask God for today? And here's what he would say. This is an easy thing for me. Why does this matter? Because we get so discouraged when we don't see signs. When we don't see things happening like we think should happen, we get so defeated. And just because you don't see anything doesn't mean God is not working. And just because you don't see anything doesn't mean that underneath the surface there are things going on you can't yet see. And when what you see doesn't match what God has promised you, that is when you walk by faith, not by sight. 
Don't focus your life every day by what you see, see, but live by faith and know that God sees something bigger than what you do. Would you bow your heads with me in this room and online? Lord, I thank you for these people that are so precious to you. You love them. They matter to you deeply. And you have a wonderful plan for each one of them. I pray no one would believe the lie of Satan himself that who they are is insignificant, that what they're doing doesn't matter, that their life doesn't count. It does. For every discouraged person here today who is in the monotony of life, I pray they would feel your presence washing over them now, your affirmation on them, that they would give their best to you, even even especially at times when it seems no one is noticing. And God, forgive us for our lack of faith. Help us ask you today for big things, the supernatural things. My prayer is that in the days ahead when they, people hear, oh, you're from Kokomo First Church of Nazarene, they would say, oh man, You're from that place that's always asking God to do like really big stuff. Yes, we are. (laughs) And we're asking today, God, some big things for our children. Do a supernatural work in them, God. Protect their hearts. Praying for marriages today, God, it just seems like there is no hope. But there is nothing too difficult for God. Pray for people that need a job today. Their resources during all of this craziness has just gone south. And Lord, I'm praying you would do a supernatural thing. And I thank you. I thank you, God, that you are doing more than what we see. As we prepare to take communion, hopefully you received um, one of these when you came in. Um, um, I don't know if we have, uh, Bob's got, or some of them, they have, if you need one of these, if you just lift your hands up, they will bring you one. Anybody need one of these? If you'll lift your hand, there's several over here, Bob. Just keep your hands up, they will get those to you. And so what we'll do in a minute, don't open it yet, I'll help you how to get through this. But here's what I wanna say, the Lord hit me with this this morning. As I was here early walking through this place praying and I was thinking about the message and I was thinking about communion and all of a sudden it hit me, I started thinking about Jesus. And here's what I want you to do as we partake of this. I want you to think about Jesus today because that's what this is about. Listen, come on, listen to this. Never hit me before. Most of Jesus' life was lived in obscurity. No one really noticed, nothing was happening. The only thing it tells us about Jesus that we have until he's reached the age of 30, the only thing we see is that it says he grew. (laughs) He grew, that's it, that's all, that's pretty much all we know. 
You talk about somebody that knew the purpose of God on their life. He knew that for 30 years, but for 30 years, he just lived the routine of life. Living the mundane things day after day after day. That's why when he finally began his ministry, you know why people were so shocked? They said, isn't that just Jesus, the ordinary guy from Nazareth? And he felt times of utter discouragement and defeat, even in the three years of his ministry. He, he did not understand all the father was doing. And in the garden, come on, do you remember that? You remember what he prayed there? In the garden, it says he was sorrowful and troubled to the point of like just ready to give up, dying. Just There's gotta be another way, Lord. He cried even, Father, take this away from me. I can't do it, take it away, it's not working. This is Jesus. On the cross, what did he say? Why have you forsaken me, God? You wanna pray a real honest prayer today? For some of you, that would be a real honest prayer for you today because of what you've been through and going through. It just feels like God has forsaken you. But though it seemed unnoticed and though it seemed in vain, God did the most profound work for humankind, even on the cross. If you take your cup and if you would just peel back, now don't pull the big label, there's a little clear one on top. If you're at home, hopefully you can just grab a cracker, some juice. If not, just open your hands and take it symbolically today as we are. But if you pull that top piece back, it will expose that little wafer there and you can hold that in your hand. Because scripture tells us on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as ye shall eat this, do so in remembrance of me. Would you take and eat and give thanks? Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. If you would just peel back the rest of that gently, slowly, so you don't spill it. He took the cup and he gave thanks again, saying, this is my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you shall drink this, give thanks. Would you receive and give thanks? Father, we're eternally grateful for who you are and what you have done in our lives. We thank you that even though it seems like our life sometimes stinks, we are right where you want us to be. You are doing a work. When we are faithful in the little things, you, you will do so much greater things in us and through us. We believe that, it's true. And so I pray now as we lift our voice in acclamation of praise to you for what you have done, that even in the little things of life, you do great things. 
Because when you are in it, when you are working through it, you are doing things we can't see that are more profound and that have eternal consequences. And for that, we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand as they lead us this morning?